Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Now last week we explored the slave who received five talents, and he came back and doubled it with five more, making 10 talents. And I want to remind you, if you look at this slide, that a talent is 15 years worth of a laborer's wages. So using my salary, that would be 50,000 times 15 years, $750,000 in one talent. And you'll see here that this slave received two talents, $1.5 million, and he doubled it into $3 million. And when we think to ourselves, well, what is the point of this? Why is Jesus telling us this? The point is that God gives every human being certain gifts and certain graces and talent and God provides us in different ways, different time. And God also places into our hands different resources. And Jesus is telling us that we need to be mindful with what we do with what God has given us. And I don't know if you've noticed, well, you might not have been privy to it if you weren't here last week, but the response to the two slaves is exactly the same whether it was the one who was given five and came back with ten, or the one who was given two and came back with four, the master says, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And it's important to note that Jesus doesn't seem to expect that the one who gave was entrusted with two talents, should come back with ten. That wasn't, that wasn't the issue here. The issue was, if I invest in you, the ma- if the master invests in you, then what will the master receive back? Will the master receive back the same intentionality, the same purposefulness, the same investment of time and energy and resources back that have been placed in our hands? And this is important because we live in a world of comparisons and judgments, right? There's actually a whole website about who wore it better, and they show you two celebrities wearing the same outfit. Who wore it better? That's not what's important here. This is not about comparing yourself to someone else. Say that again. This is not about comparing yourself with anyone else. This is a one-on-one. This is our master, Jesus Christ, looking at us, each individually, and saying, what have you done with what I have given you? And there's no insistence that, all right, you seem to have done all right, let's put you next to this person, and oh, they look a lot better than you. That is not what Jesus is telling us. Instead, on the day when Jesus returns and every human being from all time stands before the throne, the lesson is you will be judged according to what you have done what you were given, and what you have put back into the kingdom. So all of the onus for our behavior and for our fruitfulness lies on us. And yet, how many of you have ever felt the stress and the strain and the dejection of comparing yourself to another? 
It happens within families, it happens in communities, it happens at jobs, it happens at school, and unfortunately, it happens in churches. It's been very easy for me to look at some of my clergy colleagues and think, I'm in awe of them. They're so amazing. They seem to, everything they touch turns into a vineyard and can be completely amazed with them and go, I will never be like that. I can never be that amazing. And we do it with others too. There are church members in our church family who I look at and I think to myself, oh my gosh, they make me look like a bad Christian. They are amazing. You know who I'm talking about too. They're the ones that you're like, where do they find time to do all this stuff? And you're like, I don't know, but I look lazy and shiftless. And instead, the point is that we are all called to do something different. I have a sister. She's almost 10 years younger than I am, and my sister and I are completely different people. If she were standing here beside me, you would never believe we were related. We don't look alike, talk alike, act alike, have the same educational background, nothing. We are completely different people, and we spent almost our entire lives bickering with one another. Sound familiar? We spent almost our whole lives bickering with one another because she wouldn't do what I thought she should do, which was be me. And she didn't think that it was fair to constantly be compared to me, which, by the way, my parents never did. But there was always this struggle between the comparisons. Should we be alike? Who should, who should have the dominant personality? And the fact is that there are things that I do very well. There are things that my sister does very well that I can't hope to do. And our family is better because we are not the same. Our family is better because we are different people. In fact, while I'm doing what God has called me to do, which is live far from my family and keep a completely different schedule than most of my family, when my mother was sick, my sister was able to be with her every single day. Now, if both of us had been pastors, my mother would have been up the creek. But instead, we were able to meet my mother's needs because our household is diverse because we are different. Christianity is not about making all of us the same. Christianity is about recognizing in our multiplicity, in our diversity, we are better than we could ever be. If every single one of us was a pastor and we all crowded up in here in the chancel, who would hear and be affected? We would all end the service and go, well, I did the best. Nap time. Instead, God has given us all different roles, different rows. We are all in a different place so that we can cover not only this church, but this community in a blanket of gifts and graces. That's what the parable is about. Now, you saw what I make. You can easily figure out what I tithe. But on paper, my tithe doesn't look that impressive. 10% of 50000 is only $5,000. I say only, and it still hurts me. It's a lot of money where I'm from. But there are, more, there are other people who give more than I give. But that's not what it's about. It's about doing what I'm supposed to do. Now, I don't know whether or not someone else is giving a tithe just because they're giving four, four times what I give. But I don't have to know. I don't have to. It's not about whether or not someone else is doing better than I am. It's about am I doing my best and there are plenty of times in my life where I have probably spent too much on shoes. Like two. This month. There are plenty of times where 
I used exhaustion or busyness to keep me from doing something that I know that God would have preferred me to be doing. And so I start where I can. Like all of us, we have to hit a place where we say, I start here. And every week, I do my very best to ensure that not only do I give of my resources, my tithe, but that I give of my presence, that I come here. And that's where I start. And then we go from there. Where else is God nudging my heart to be this week? What else is God asking me to do? Because not all of us have the same schedules. Some of us are working full-time or taking care of children full-time. Some of us are retired. But that doesn't mean that we compare ourselves to other people and go, well, what are they doing so that I can tell whether or not I'm a slacker Christian? This is not a litmus test to find out if you're a slacker Christian. Do you know how you know if you're a slacker Christian? You feel guilty. That's how you know. Because you know if you're slacking. I don't have to tell you. You know. You know if you have more resources that you could bring. You know if you have more time that you could be in ministry. You know that if your calendar, if you were to color code it and make Jesus red, that there would be like two days a month that are red, then you know that you're slacking. And we have to think to ourselves, Jesus did things when Jesus didn't want to do them. You ever paid attention to that? That whole Garden of Gethsemane thing over there on that window? There came a day where Jesus was like, I don't want to do this. This is a bad idea. I don't want to be betrayed by one of my best friends. I don't want to be handed over to people who want to humiliate me and strip me and beat me and crucify me on a cross. This is not my idea of how I was going to retire. Instead, he got down on his knees and he prayed over and over again. God, and was very honest. Father, this is not what I want, but your will be done. Your will be done. If this is what you want, then I will suffer. I will be humiliated. I will experience emotional and physical pain because this is what you have asked of me. And I didn't just baptize Mason so that all of Christian can go, let me see where Jesus fits in my schedule. We baptize Mason into a future that is filled with disciples who are building the kingdom. And we have to build it very well. Because one day, like Mason and many other children that we have baptized, we are going to hand the kingdom over to them. Do you want to hand them a decrepit, broken kingdom? I don't know any parent who says, boy, I hope that I entrust an estate that is awful to my children. Now, I've heard people that want to spend every penny. That's a whole other sermon. But I have never seen a parent who says, I hope that what I leave you is a burden and broken. Instead, we work very hard to care for those who are entrusted into our care and who will be here when we are gone. And Mason is just one example of that. But watching and participating in his baptismal vows is to remind us that we have work to do together, that God has given us all something very special, something unique to us. And God has asked us to do what God should do, which is use it selflessly. And so we gather here at church to worship and glorify the one who has privileged us with these same gifts and graces, who has blessed us with resources. 
I don't know that I'm ever going to see $3 million or be in charge of a church budget that big. I have no idea. But I do know this. I know that God helped me, if I ever am in charge of that kind of money, that God will place in my life someone who knows how to handle it. We call them the finance committee. Hallelujah. And so I don't have to worry about that. I just have to do my piece. I do my part. And God ensures that where there might be gaps because of my insufficiency, that things are covered by the movement of the Holy Spirit. That's what a church is. A church is a bunch of people, like a patchwork quilt, all of us covering an area with which we can, and joining up with other people so that there are no gaps in what we cover this community in, that we cover it with love and care. But the best bodies of Christ, the best churches, don't just care about their own community, they care about every community. They look well beyond their borders. Because we live in a mobile world, do we not? How many of you were born and raised in Crozet and have never left the zip code? All right. Because the truth is that people move. You might have been born and raised here. You might have moved and come back. It doesn't matter because you have touched other communities. And all over the face of the globe, God knits together communities of people so that when things are rough, when things are awful, when people are suffering and mourning, when people are crying out to God for relief and for comfort, there are those who will hear and they will act. And we are part of that fabric of faith. We are those who hear the parable and say, I may not have the most, but what I have, Lord, it is yours. And whether it is time in my calendar, whether it is finances and resources in my hands for disposal, or whether it is my gifts and my graces, I promise to be present to use them for you. Because to use what you have in service of Jesus Christ is to use it for those who go without, for those who are in need, and for those who need to know that they too are loved by our Lord and Savior. What we choose to do with our gifts and our graces, our resources, our time and our talents will change this world. And we all have a role to play in that. Every one of us. And the clock doesn't start ticking when you turn 18. The clock starts ticking the day you take your first breath. All of us, no matter our age, our race, our gender, our nationality, no social distinction prevents us all from having the same mission. We are called to change this world. And while some of us do that in a very shiny way, it doesn't mean that those who do their work for the kingdom under the cover of darkness or behind the scenes are any less crucial. I could stand up here and preach to you the most amazing sermon I have ever preached. And if the sound tech ain't back there, we're in trouble. It's a partnership. It is a union of gifts. The one who speaks must be heard. And everybody has their part in this. And so we come together to remember, to be encouraged, and for some of us to be challenged that we will step up and do 
because next week we get to find out about the one with the one talent. There's always one. There's always one. But thus far, overwhelmingly, the message has been hopeful because we all fear failure. We are a culture that fears failing. You notice that we've changed the grading system in schools now so that you can't quite fail? You notice this? Because we fear failure that much. And in the church, we fail. There are plenty of things that we do wrong. But at the end of the day, we stop and we recognize that we don't want to fail. We want to learn. We want to get back up into the boat and try again. We want to continue to grow and go. And out of God's love, that is possible. And so we will not rest on our laurels. We will not let fear incapacitate us. We will do what God calls us to do in trusting that together we can do so much more than we could by ourselves. God is doing things every moment of every day through some person in this body of Christ. Every moment of every day, one of us is doing something that is transforming hearts and lives, and this world. And that's not because I'm playing the numbers and we're a decent-sized congregation. That's because I know from what I have witnessed, what I have heard, what you have shown me, that God is doing something incredible through someone here every moment of every day. And if that isn't living a miracle, I don't know what is. You are part of that. And there are days when we will be exhausted, days when we will say, enough, Lord, I'm tapping out. Days when we go, how much more, oh, Lord, how much more? And those days, let us remember that servant, the one who said, I didn't get the five talents, but I'm going to give my all. I got two. And this two, this, which to some would seem like a lifetime of money and resources, this, I will do my very best and after that, I entrust it to God. And the reward was the same. Don't compare yourself to another Christian. Don't compare yourself to someone else in your household or God's household. Instead, know that if you do your best, then when you stand before the throne, you will stand righteous because your sin has been forgiven, your guilt has been washed from you, and our best is all that Christ asks. And the rest we leave to the Lord. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.